0: An incredible picture of grace and love in action. Um, that story may be very similar to some of yours, how you came to know Christ or how someone near you has. Um, about four years ago now, I-, I came to Grace here for the first time, and uh, I-, I was coming up visiting a friend who was here um, leading a missions trip that had kind of settled here for a week and was here at the church. And, and so I walked in those doors back there for the first time. And, and I said to my friend, dude, you've been here for a week. Uh, what's this church like? What's this church about? Um, tell me about it. What's your first impression? He said, you know what? We had these kids on this mission trip and they were staying in homes. And what was so cool to hear the kids come back from these homes after the next day and go tell all these stories. You know, my family told me about, the people down the street from them who, who they coach their basketball team. So their kids started inviting them to church and now they're saved and they're following God. And, and another story from another one, you know, we we've been witnessing that these people for two years down the street and, and now they're starting to come to church. They're starting to have a relationship with God. It was so cool to hear these stories of people just like you guys might've been some of you in this room and these stories that I heard, who were intentional about living out their faith in their homes, in their community, in, in on the sports field, in their schools. And what happens when we do that is God comes alive in a church like this. So that was four years ago. And, and, and the sad thing is a lot can change in four years. So the question See is, there? is this still that church? If someone came in here today is that the picture they would get of your life? Is that the picture they would get of your life? Of someone who was on mission, sharing in their work, in their home. Would that describe you? On mission, intentional. Or is your life a little more like this guy here? Truth is,
1: if we lose that mission, we become like this. Some of you already have. You bubble wrap yourself from the world, dare not get close to somebody that cusses. That neighbor across the street that's a little different than you. So what you do, you you protect yourself. You wrap yourself in your own holy little huddle, and you think you're doing the right thing, but you look absolutely stupid, ridiculous. What would happen to us if all of us? Began living this way. Would be afraid to reach out and touch someone. I might catch something. And truth be known. If we were able to open up the heavenlies. And spiritually see what we look like. Some of you look like this right now. You walked in here. And you protected your family all week long. You haven't shared your faith. i ah, let someone else do it. And so all week long. You just... Do everything you can to stay away from those weird people on the assembly line that are a lot different than you are. In fact, you complain all week long. Wow, I gotta get out of this place, all these people. They cuss, they don't they don't believe what I believe, and if I have to work here one more day when well, the very people that you need to run to are those people. And so here's what you look like. You look as stupid as I look right now. Raising your cute little families with your cute little kids. All bubble wrapped and protected. And you dare not let them run around with that person right there. Because they're a lot different than you. And yet you think this is the way Christians are supposed to look. And so you come in here this morning. You're coming and worshiping God. Raising your hands and saying, I love Jesus. And yet you'll leave this place. And you'll put your cute little kids and your husbands and wives and your homes and all your possessions. And you'll bubble wrap them. Not even touching fear that somehow if i get close i'll catch what they have this is not the picture of a redeemed follower of christ some of you've been saved for 20 30 years some of you come to church when you're feeling good so that you can be fed when reality is we're supposed to come and be equipped and take this out it's difficult i mean i'm struggling right now trying to even to move and this is how stupid it looks Yeah, this is a picture of your life. Let me ask you a personal question. Who is the last person? How long has it been? Since you take what you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and shared it with someone else. Or are you trying to pull yourself away, pull your kids away, pull your family away, pull your husband away, pull your wife away, pull yourself away from the very place that God wants you? Listen, this is not the picture of a redeemed follower of Christ who has the living God living in him, who went to the cross and died for our sins and died a bloody death. He did not die so that we could spend our lives living in a bubble, Ask yourself this hard question as Larry and Jeremiah come. Is this the way you want to finish your life? Looking as stupid, as goofy as I am. Or will you have uncommon boldness and bust out of the bubble and take the news of Jesus Christ to a lost world? Some of you look more like this than you realize. You think you got it all together. You want to come to church and learn some more. need some more information. Feed me, feed me, feed me, Jim, feed me. Give me another Bible study. Give me some more information. When the very God who saved you has given you enough and you have a testimony that can tell others about Christ, when will you bust out of the bubble and become... The person that Christ wants you to be. Take a look at this. I wonder how many homes are bubble wrapped. I wonder how many lives, I wonder how many vehicles will leave this place, and you've protected yourself from the very people who need the good news of Christ. Enough of this nonsense. We need uncommon boldness like our Christ had. And take the news of Christ and bust out of this bubble to a lost and dying world. Listen to some of these passages that describe the Savior that saved us. Just listen to these passages. Look how he is quoted and look how he is spoken about. Luke 15 says it this way. Just listen. This is now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law murd- muttered. Listen to what they said. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Listen to Matthew chapter 9 describing our Savior, who we, who we confess as our Lord and Savior, who lives in us, who we say we would do anything for. Listen how they described him in the early days of his ministry. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples who were with him, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Because he loves lost people. Luke 5 says it this way. Listen. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law who belong to their sect complained to his disciples. They actually complained about Jesus. They said, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And he says, I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Just for clarification, by the way, in the New Testament, in the early uh, stages of, of culture during that time, Eating with someone was a sign of friendship. It meant that you know, knew them. It meant that you loved them. It meant that you spent time with them. And Jesus constantly sat and supped and ate with sinners and tax collectors. Some of you say, well, I sit with sinners all the time. We're Christ followers. We sit. No, this is a reference to people who don't know Christ. Sinners were notoriously in the New Testament. Adulterers, robbers, and the like. And they were regarded as outcasts. And the very God that we claim to serve and follow sat with them, ate with them, worked with them, didn't run from them. And then Jesus said this before he ascended to heaven in some of his last words, very last words. He said this, therefore go, geo, green light, Go, not yield, not pause, not red light stop. Go and make disciples. In fact, it's a participle in our English language. It's mean, and you're going. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded them. And then he says this. He attaches this. It's called the Great Commission to go. And at the end of that, he says, for lo, I am with you always. In other words, in your going, in your sharing, in your witnessing, I am with you, so go. The great commission has become the great omission in today's Christian circles. There is forward motion, not a stationary condition. It requires uncommon boldness to reach a lost world. Some of you will say, all I have are Christians around me. So who am I supposed to share with? Well, quite frankly, that's a travesty. You need to get out of your office, get out in the places where there's lost people. You should wake up, and when you walk into that assembly line, when you walk into that school, when you walk into that classroom, when you walk into that business, when you walk into your community, when you walk into your neighborhood, and there's someone around you that doesn't know Christ, that lives differently, acts differently, smells differently, speaks differently, instead of complaining, you all say, praise God, I'm where I'm supposed to be. That's the picture of a person who doesn't live in the bubble. If I hear one more time from a man saying this. Oh, I'm so tired. I've heard it 100,000 times in my lifetime. I'm so tired of hearing the cussing in the workplace. I wish I could remove myself from this environment. Because it's just horrible day after day. Listen, when you hear it, pray for him and praise God. There's someone that might be Christ. And you could reach them. Jesus had a lot to say about this. In today's message, for some of you, it, it, it would be very challenging. Some of you really get it. But for most in Christianity, we are so bubble wrapped. You came. Some of you come in here today and you want to learn more and learn some more information and get your fat head. And, and, and here's the reality. Knowledge alone in itself will puff up, the word of God says. Jesus had something to say about this in a very, 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 very strong way. And we're going to look at it today. Turn to John chapter 17 and we'll take a look. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Ushers will be glad to put one in your hand, but turn to John chapter 17. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John 17. Jesus had something to say about having uncommon boldness, about having a heart for people who are different than you. And my hope today is this, that somehow you will get out of your self-centered world and your self-pity and wonder, why aren't people helping me? Why aren't they reaching out to me? When the very thing that could remove you from that condition is you reaching out to someone else. John chapter 17. Let's read verses 11 through 17. Stand with me and we'll read it out loud together, please. John chapter 17, verses 11 through 17. Would you read it with me, please, out loud? Ready, read. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. Judas Iscariot. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. You may have a seat. In order for us to reach those that are different than us, we must have an uncommon boldness. And guess what? It will be dangerous. The disciples had just spent three Years in utter safety with Jesus. And Jesus is about to die. These are like the last word and testament of our savior. And so the very words he's saying to his disciples who had spent their last three years in a safe environment was go to the people. You are safe to go because I have prayed for you, but make sure you go. Up to this point, just about everywhere the disciples went, Jesus was with them. His presence was there. Whenever they sank in the water, Jesus picked Peter out. Whenever there was a a riot that would break out, Jesus was there. When people needed to be fed, Jesus took food and fed 5,000. When demons needed to be cast out into the sea, Jesus cast them out. The disciples saw that they felt safe when Jesus was with them. When children were sick and they needed healing, Jesus prayed and they were healed. Jesus was there to depend on. So he's looking at this group and he's saying to them, listen to me, now it's time for you to go. Don't be afraid. Even though it's dangerous, I am with you. I will protect you. The evil one will be protected because I've asked and prayed for protection over you. Following Jesus means this, Grace Community. It means putting your life at risk. And many of you are doing this. There's a variety of ways. Of many. I can think of a few right off the top. It might mean you become a foster parent. Bring someone into your house that's unsaved. Put them around your kids. And somehow, some of you say, well, maybe it's not because you don't have a calling, but you're afraid. What would happen that brought an unsaved kid into my house? Well, maybe you might give them the good news of Jesus Christ and your kids led them to Christ. For some, it might mean adopting an unsaved child. And given the very news of Jesus Christ, bringing him into your house, uncertain of how it all is going to work out with language bearers and cultural bearers, and saying for the cause of Christ, there are other people who need Jesus. I'm willing to put my family at risk. There's a variety of ways to do this. But Jesus said this to his disciples. Look at verse 15 again in chapter 17. Jesus said, My prayer is not that you take them, what? What's the word? Out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. To remove ourselves from the world undermines the will of God. Parents, you got to wrap your mind around this. I need to wrap my mind around this. Singles, you need to wrap your mind around. Men, ladies in the workplace, wrap your mind around this. Quit trying to find safe environments to work in, to live in. That's the very place that Jesus has already prayed for your protection. That's where he wants you to live. That's where he wants you to do business. That's where he needs you because you are the light. You have the news that's good news and they need to hear it. Jesus said this, it's not important just to stay away from the world. It's important that you live in the world. And share the news. He doesn't want us to be removed from danger. He wants us to be surrounded by danger on every side. And it goes against everything that a parent wants to do. Now Jesus gives this last word in testament. We keep trying to remove ourselves from danger. God wants to protect us in the middle of dangerous situations. He's saying, go to where there's danger. I've already asked for protection. Seriously, if the God of the universe has already prayed 2,000 years ago for our protection, isn't that good enough? He's saying, go there, live there, share there, love there, care there, speak there. And he says, but protect him from the evil one in verse 15. Here it is, friends. He wants us to spend the rest of our lives living in the danger zone. He knows the road is dangerous. He admits it but there comes a point where we must get out of our holy huddles. Isn't that what Luke 15 is all about? There's 99 sheep that are that are saved. 99 and the and the shepherd leaves to go find the one that's lost. Yet many of us want to stay with the 99, feed them, give them more, let them become spiritually fat. In fact, it's so easy to have another gathering, another study, but it's more difficult to go after the one that's lost. And you know why that is? Because you're opposed. God wants you and me and our children to live in an unsafe world. He knows it's dangerous. Why would he want us to do that? Because there is somebody in that circle that needs to be saved. But you know what we do, seriously? And we've gotten really good at it. We have these two cultures. One's a Christian culture that runs in this direction. The other's the world culture. And so... What we've tried to do as we raise our families, what we try to do as we live in this world is make sure that these two cultures never intersect. We dare not let our kids go there. We dare not take ourselves there because somehow we feel like we'll get poisoned or tainted. And so we have these two subcultures for the last 200 years that have been riding in parallel completely, never touching each other. And the truth is one's going to heaven, one's going to hell. And the group going to heaven doesn't care about the group that's going to hell. God wants you to live in an unsafe world. He just does. I don't picture Jesus seriously. I don't see our Savior standing on the other side of a place where there are unsafe people who disagree with us, holding a sign that says, boycotting this, boycotting that. I don't see Jesus ever doing that in Scripture. I don't see a sign where the disciples stood on the other side of the road and there were sinners, people who, who disagree with their philosophy, who didn't understand like they understood, standing there and saying, holding a sign, there's Jesus again. Boy, his sign's really good. Look at it it's red, it's white, and it's blue. No, Jesus lived amongst them. He wants us to go live with them, love them, and to live, let them see our lives, and to change the world from the inside out. If some of us think that if we stand out here and we boycott and we throw up our sign, that somehow when they throw up their sign and we throw up their sign, they're going to look at our sign and say, wow, that sign was built much better. I want what you have. No, that's not the picture that Christ gives us in the New Testament. Jesus' last two requests here before he's about to die, he expects us to be in the world. And secondly, in doing so, he says, you will be in danger, so go. No matter how bad the world gets, he wants us in it. I understand this is dangerous. I have children. I have a wife that I want to protect as a father and as a husband. But the Christian mainstream, Christian evangelicals have spent the last 200 years trying to separate us from the world. We've got to be careful, listen to me church and I don't say this in a disrespectful way but we've created this subculture and somehow we think it's better if we have Christian only music and we have Christian only schools and we have Christian coffee houses and we have Christian books and Christian motorcycle clubs and Christian business associations and Christian retreat centers and Christian TV. By the way, you ever see some of those guys on there? There's no way someone would run to them. And so we created these two subcultures and we felt, just give me more Christian. What would happen this year instead of planning your year like you normally do, going to this retreat, going to this worship encounter, going to this conference, what if you planted yourself right in the midst where there were unsaved people and said, God, put me in the midst of them and God, may they come to Christ. Do something uncommon this year. That's where Christ followers changed the world. Jesus is praying for us already here, by the way. He says, I'm praying for your safety, that you will be protected from the evil one. Yet we want to get into these safe environments, put on this bubble wrap, and dare not put ourselves in places where there's people who don't know Christ. And so we spend the majority of our lives living in a bubble world. Seriously, have you ever seen and you walk into the Christian bookstore, they got like Christian breath mints, like somehow they're better than regular breath mints. I'm serious. And they have like Jesus on them. Like somehow you take the J, it's like, oh, I just feel like I'm just holier or something. When I see those things, when I, I want to puke and I'm saying, how in the world? It's like, hey, and then so we pass them on. It's like somehow we show someone that's unsaved. Look, I got Christian breath mints that have Jesus stamped on them. Like somehow that's going to make a difference. It just alienates. We just look foolish and stupid as I did in the bubble wrap. That's a picture of a bubble Christian. Yeah, you might say, oh, Jim, yeah, what if, but what if, how come, what if they, well, Jim, how about 1 Corinthians 15, that that says, bad company corrupts good character. I want to say, just use some wisdom, would you? If you're an alcoholic, don't go to the bar, okay? If you struggle with drugs, don't hang out with someone who's hooked on drugs. Use wisdom instead of throwing it all out. In fact, Romans 12, 2, don't turn there, it says it this way. It says, be conformed. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, this verse is a different way of thinking, not a new address. Seriously, if Jesus walked into this service today and he looked at your life and he took a piece of bubble wrap... And he broke it up to the number of people that are in the link in the main. And he was able to discern and tell you there's a bubble family. There's bubble wrapped. How many people would end up with bubble wrap all over them in Jesus eyes? You know what we're doing? Even more so today. We try to control everything our kids do. Dare not go out with them. Dare not let that person tell them anything. Dare not let that. Dare not go there. Dare not be on that team. Dare not be part of that. Dare not be part of this. And so we feel good and we stand back at the end of the day and we say, well, I protected my kids so much. Look at me, God. Aren't I a great parent? Maybe God is saying, listen to me. A great parent prays for their kids. Instead of praying for protection, they pray for both." I said, I don't pretend that this is easy. But let me tell you what I do pray for my kids. I pray that they have a holy boldness to share faith, to walk into dark places and tell people about Jesus. And the fact that Jesus has already covered them for protection, I trust that my God is able to protect them. And so any chance I get, we're in a dark place. We have Christian running clubs. I mean, really, listen, it's okay to run in a Christian running club. But if that's the only club you're running in, what purpose does that have eternally other than getting spiritually fat and, and physically healthy and your friends go to hell? Wow, praise God. These Christian running clubs, it's like they're great things, but somehow do you ever wonder what we look like to the world when you have a Christian only, Christian only, Christian? Only? It's like we have these Bibles plastered to our heads and we run with a Bible taped to our head. That's what we look like. Do you think someone's gonna to run to you in time of crises if you're so interested in growing in? Now we have apps on our phones and so we plug them into our ears and we run and we shut the world out. All the while there's people running by us when we're running. Maybe we need to take our headphones out and our earbuds out. And maybe while we're running, we need to be going and looking and sharing and listening to the Spirit of God. It says, stop. Run with that person. Find out where they're at. I'm telling you, guys and gals, listen to me. You know, some of us don't even realize we're doing it. We have these two subcultures running like this. And some of us think we got it all together and we look at other families. Can you believe they let Johnny play with with Jeffy? Do you know about Jeffy's family? His dad, oh, he's lost. Can you believe that somehow he's letting them into his house? And I want to say, praise the Lord. Seriously, how about you? You might've been Jeffy. I was Jeffy. I was the kid that was lost. I was the kid that didn't know Jesus. And I'm so grateful that God put someone in my life that says someone needs to go to them. A different way of thinking, Romans 12, too, not a different address. The road is dangerous, by the way. But if you do not go, who will? And yes, you will be opposed But we have what it takes to live in the world. Seriously, God lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in you and me who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And often the Spirit is prompting us by saying, stop, say something, go there, he needs you. And there's another one but we have shut off his voice and settled into our safe environments and we're so bubble wrapped, our minds are bubble wrapped, we can't even hear his voice. And so all we do is look for safety and all the while we sing, go, go, they need Jesus, go, go. And we don't hear them. Listen to me. This is a true statement and it might not fall on your ears too kindly today, but it is the truth. Children who have, never, who have always been protected from the world will sooner or later be defenseless in it. I don't try to say that in a disrespectful way, but it's the truth. If you have protected your kids too much from lost people, then they will be defenseless when they're sent out into the world. And the very reality is this. Once they know Christ, they can stand in the world because Jesus has prayed for them. They're one of his. Right now, you might be saying, Pastor Jim, where are you going with this message? But let me say this. There are people that you and I know who need Christ. There are people crying right now. That aren't sitting in this holy huddle. They're at home right now. They don't know that they can go on. There are people contemplating suicide. There will be someone who will walk into your workplace tomorrow. Angry. And the way the anger comes out. Is through their language. Vulgarity. And the very person that you detest, the very person that you don't want to be around might be the very person that needs the hope of Jesus Christ and you're supposed to give it to them. And if we never let these two roads and these two cultures crisscross and we stay in our safe zones with Christian jobs and Christian books and Christian coffee houses, all we're saying is this, God, we value safety more than we do a lost soul. Statistics show us that 30 million people die each year never professing Jesus as Lord. By the way, did that even just bother you at all? Even just a little bit? That there's 30 million people that will die this year that'll go to hell? Did that, I mean, did it just like go over your head and say, well, big deal, that's someone else's? Do you realize that every two seconds someone dies and goes to hell? Does that bother you that in a service that hundreds of people will die today because no one told them the good news or maybe they rejected, but there are people who need to know the news of Jesus Christ. That's why Jude one twenty three it tells us, snatch others from the fire and save them. Yet we want to run from darkness. Maybe instead of praying only for safety for your children, we need to pray for boldness. Seriously, just ask yourself this question. Be as honest as possible. What's the most dangerous thing that you're doing for Jesus right now? Not for your retirement, not to make it better for you, not to be more healthy, not to be more spiritual or have more knowledge or more intellect. What's the most dangerous thing that is in your path right now for the cause of Jesus Christ? What is it? Is anything coming on the radar screen? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10. He said, I am going to send you out as sheep among wolves. He didn't say, I send you out as sheep among sheep." Listen to me. He wants sheep with sheep. He wants, doesn't want sheep with sheep. He wants sheep sent with wolves. It's dangerous. But he's already prayed for your safety from the evil one. We can't bubble wrap our children forever. One of the best illustrations that I've ever seen of someone living in the world and making a difference was this story here. Tony Compolo shares of a time in his life when he was speaking in Honolulu, Hawaii. Compolo lives on the east coast of the United States, so his body was six hours ahead of Hawaiian time. At three o'clock in the morning, it felt like nine o'clock to him. Awake and hungry for breakfast, he found himself in a grassy spoon cafe in the small hours of the morning. As he bit into his donut, eight or nine prostitutes walked into this cafe. They had just finished their work for the night. Their talk was loud and crude and it was difficult to avoid listening to them. He heard one tell the others it was her birthday the following day. What do you want from me? A birthday cake was a sarcastic reply. Why be so mean, she replied. I was just telling you, I don't expect anything as she talked to the other prostitutes. Then she said, I've never had a birthday party. I'm not expecting to have one now. When Campolo heard this, he made a decision. When the women left, he went over to the cafe owner, a guy called Harry. Do they always come in here? Yes, said Harry, including the one who sat next to me. Yes, that's Agnes. Why do you want to know? Because I heard her say it's her birthday tomorrow. I thought we might throw her a party. Then a smile grew across Harry's lips. That'd be a great idea. A moment later, his wife was in on the plot. Half past two the next morning, Compolo had brought decorations and Harry had baked a cake. Word had got out and it seemed like as if every prostitute in Honolulu was in the cafe that morning. Plus Campolo, a preacher. When Agnes entered with her friends, she was flabbergasted. Her mouth fell open and her knees wobbled. As she sat on a stool, everyone sang happy birthday. Blow out the candles, people shouted. But in the end, Harry had to do it for her. Then he handed her a knife. Cut the cake, Agnes, so we can all have some. She looked at the cake, then slowly said, Is it all right? Would you mind? If I wait a little longer, if we didn't eat it straight away now, sure, it's okay, said Harry. Take it home with you if you want. Can I, she said. Can I take it home right now? I'll be back in a few minutes, Agnes said. And with that, she left carrying her precious cake out of the cafe. It was her first birthday party. There was stunned silence in the cafe. So Compolo said, What do you say if we just pray? And they did. Compolo led a group of prostitutes in prayer at 3.30 a.m. in the morning. When they were done, Harry said, Hey, you never told me you were some kind of preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? Compolo answered, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. Harry waited for a moment. Then he sneered, no, you don't. There's no church like that. If there was, I'd join it. I'd join a church like that. You see, we don't know how ridiculous we really look. Because we're so used to it. And we just accept it. And and, and so... We let other believers just bubble wrap themselves and we bubble wrap ourselves and we get together and and we we rub off each other and and we learn more about Jesus. All the while people look at us and say, why don't they love me? Where's the real Jesus that was a friend to sinners? And so what we created are these two subcultures. One's Christian mainstream, going in a different direction than the world mainstream. And the very thing that Christ called us to do was to be in the world, not of the world, but in the world, living our lives in front of them, loving and caring. And yes, it's dangerous. And yes, you have teachable moments with your family. And yes, there might be times that you don't do the best job. But listen to me, we must Take risk and go there. I've read probably as much as any 50-year-old man has read in the area of evangelism. In fact, probably more than most. And here's my response to evangelism. I've heard every excuse in the book. Every excuse. From, I don't have the gift. You have the gift, Jim. So you're responsible. And I look where Paul said to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist to every Christian. I've heard every excuse from, I don't have the gift. Or even better, here's how we do. Well, I think if I just live my life out in front of people, and they see that, you know, that I'm different, and that somehow they'll look at my life. I'll never talk to them, but somehow they'll just look at my life. And somehow when they look at my life, they'll see there's Jesus there. It's as if when we go out and mow our grass, there's a Christian way to mow your grass, And so when someone looks at, wow, they keep their lines perfectly straight. No dandelions. Wow, I want the God that you love that teaches you how to mow straight and have no dandelions in your yard. And so we use these lame excuses that somehow they'll look at our life and like, oh yeah, I just hope people look at my life, listen to me. People won't look at your life and say, wow, the way you mow your grass, you really that somehow that's really, really cool. I wish I had what you have. And some will say, well, I, I just, I, I, I drive like a Christian. And I know that they'll look at my life and they'll see somehow that, that I'm a Christian by the way I drive. The truth is, if they looked at the way we drive, most of them would probably go to hell. The truth is. Or somehow I can barbecue my my hamburgers really, really, really good. And so they watch this out. and Wow, they're barbecuing their hamburger. Wow, they use sea salt. And wow, they got red chili peppers. Wow, I want Jesus. Seriously, do you see what's wrong with this stuff? And yet we use that as an excuse. And we'll say things like this. Well, at least I live like a Christian in front. Listen to me. If you're not living in and you're not sharing, then you're not living like a Christian. Well, to some will say, "Well, I'm afraid, so I can't share, and I don't my personality." Listen to me. The living God lives in you. Has nothing to do with personality. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, introverts know how to speak. Somehow, you talk, don't you? And so we use this excuse, excuse after excuse, to like, well, one of these days, or. If I share somehow with my family, you know, Pastor Jim, it's so hard to share with family. You know why it's so hard to share with family? It's because you're opposed. You know, it's like, you could talk to your family about politics. That should be opposed, by the way. Politics... You can talk to your family about Super Bowl, you can talk to your family about eating, you can talk to your family about grandkids, you can talk to your family about uncles, you can talk to your family about sitcoms, you can talk to your family about cars, you can talk to your family about running, you can talk to your family about cooking. But the minute you want to talk about Jesus, you know what happens, you are opposed. And so, no, we say? Well, it's too hard. It's too difficult. And so, well, I'm afraid it somehow I'll hurt their feelings. Listen to me. Would you rather they go to hell or hurt their feelings? And so we wonder why it's hard. Listen to me. You're in a battle for crying out loud. It's supposed to be hard. And so we just excuse it and say, well, at least I want to get to the end of my life. And at least my dad will know. And my mom will know. My kids will know that I loved him. And 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 my sister I can't talk to her if I talk to her then she'll get upset and if I and 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 somehow she won't ever talk to me again listen some, you better start planting some seed or she might not ever hear would you rather your sister get to the end of her life and you never shared the good news of Jesus Christ and to have her stand one day in front of the living god the great white throne judgment And he says, Depart from me, I never knew you. Do you think there will ever be someone in your path that will say, Why didn't they ever tell me? And God's going to say, Well, they didn't have the guts to do it. Go to hell. Listen, is that how you want your friends to end up? That somehow they went to hell because you were too afraid to share? When the living God says, I want you to go live with them and I want you to share and I want you to put yourself in danger and you need to verbalize, I've already prayed that you be protected from the evil one. It's nonsense. We must be the voice. It's a matter of whether or not you really care. That's what it boils down to. I think we are living in a time when knowledge alone is a priority. Teach me, teach me. Give me another Bible study. Teach me. Let's gather again. Let's get together on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, and Wednesday. Let's pray together. Let's study the Bible together. But why don't we get together and say, hey, how many people have you shared Christ with this week? Hey, let's pray for lost people. Hey, let's leave this study. Let's leave this group and let's go. Isn't that what go means? Go. It doesn't mean sit and learn some more. In fact, if I hear one more time someone say, I wish I could get out of this job with all these people who don't believe like I believe, I want to scream. Just this week, I heard a post from a friend that's part of a group of men that I'm in that's trying to charge the kingdom for Jesus Christ in a strong way. It's a strong group of men. 150 us trying to. A man put a post in and he said this. He said, I went to work today and the guy across from me just, just kept dropping the F-bomb. F-bomb this and F-bomb that and F-bomb that. And then he started using the Lord's name in vain. He said, I was ticked and upset and mad and angry. Why do I have to work in this environment? And then he said this. And then the Spirit of God leveled me and said, I used to be that guy. So what do we do? We run from him or we live within them and tell him who Jesus is. I know a guy who comes to grace that was in California for business this past week. He works for a ministry that plants wells or digs wells in Africa, Ted Rondo. And he was in California. You know how he spent his Super Bowl Sunday? He loves to ride motorcycles. And he was with some friends in California and he got hooked up with a group of friends. You know what they did? They went on Super Bowl Sunday, took their motorcycle, took the Harley Davidson and rode into a group that was gathered called the Hells Angels and watched the Super Bowl with them. Is that a scary place to be? Absolutely. Is that a group that just needs to see uncommon love? Absolutely. You have to talk to Ted about that. That's uncommon boldness. That's willing to take what you can do and do it with someone who does the same things but needs Christ. Look what Jesus is doing right here. What is his mode? When he's saying this, what, what is Jesus saying? Look at verse 20. Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also that those who will believe in me through the message. In other words, he's saying he's praying for the future believers. Listen, Jesus prayed for us, grace community. We are the future believers that He's praying for. He's already prayed that we be protected from the evil one. Jesus wants us to get in the world. He wants us to park our homes, park our jobs, park our businesses, our shopping centers, our lives in the midst of a danger zone of people and change it from the inside out. I don't know about you, but I think Jesus' prayers carry some weight. (laughs) You see, I think it's a faith issue for most. How much do we trust God with our lives? How much do we trust God with our children's lives? No, we can't go to that school. No, we can't go and play with that neighbor. No, we can't let that person instruct us. No, we can't let that person play on our team. No, I need to be the coach. No, I need to do this. No, I need to do that. Let me show me the word of God that says that we shouldn't be living in a lost world and and loving and putting our children in that environment. And I will show you not the Bible that we're reading from. Proverbs 28.1 says it this way. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. In the book of Acts, the early church never prayed for safety. You know what they prayed for? Boldness and courage. Acts 4 says this in verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Acts 27, 25 says, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as you told me. Acts 27, 22 says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Acts twenty three eleven says, the following night, the Lord himself stood near Paul and said, take courage as you have testified me about me in Jerusalem, so you must also, must also, testifying in Rome. He didn't say, hey, I'll pull you out of that. No, he said, go with courage and do what you're supposed to do. Too many of us are comfortable with our faith when we should be dangerous in our faith. I'll tell you what will happen if we don't do something soon about it. We'll have these two subcultures that are mainstreams coexisting together and never intersecting. One road will go to heaven, one road will go to hell. And in the meantime, we're growing a bunch of defenseless, weak, powerless children and adults that don't know the first thing about sharing their faith. We will run our kids and we will run our families and we will vacation and we will work and we'll do whatever we can to protect. What's the last time you woke up in the morning, fathers? You lead the homes and say, you know what? This summer, we are setting aside. We aren't going to do what we normally do. Instead of our time, we are going to plant ourselves in a dangerous place and we're going to step out and and we're going to reach the world for Jesus Christ see those thoughts of trying to live in a bubble world really bother me because God did not put your family and my family here to be safe and live in a safe zone do something bold it doesn't happen to be something big seriously here's an interesting here's 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 example this week I was buying something on the telephone. I had to call up. It was late in the week. And so I needed it next day here. It was going to use it for a prop for a, a message. And so I saw this, this need that was there and it's like, I need it. And so it came to mind late in the week. And so I went online and just Googled and found out where this thing was. And, and there it was. And so I knew I needed the next, I needed the next day. So I got on the phone and I, I got this salesman on the other side. And I noticed he had a slang voice. I mean, he had a draw to him. And so I can pick up one and draw. And I'm from the southeast. And so uh, you can pick up one draw. I said, hey, dude. I said, man, where are you at? Where are you from? I didn't know where he was from. He said, we're in Oklahoma. I said, man, you got a slang. I said, I pick up one. I said, when I go south, my slang comes out too. My wife notices it. And I said, and I asked him, I asked him what the weather was like. And I was thinking, now listen, I wanted to buy this product from him. So the reality is, he's not going to hang up the phone. He wants to sell me his product. So I thought, captive audience, here's a chance to live out my faith. And so we went through this whole procedure and he saw that I was interested. I was getting out my credit card. I was going to order this thing. And so while we're doing that, I realized, hey, here's my chance. He's trying to sell me this. You know what? I could tell him about Jesus. So I said, you know, God, give me the word. So I went out of line and said, hey, hey, dude, can I just ask you a question? I said, man, I appreciate this product. I know you need some more information. But before you give me the rest of the information, i give you the rest of the information. Can I ask you a question? He said, absolutely. And so I asked him on the other side. I said, I said, you know who Jesus is? He said, yes, sir, I do. And so took that bite while well, he knows who Jesus is. And I said, well, are, are you connected to a local church? He said, yes, sir, I am. And I said, so can I ask you another question? He said, yes, you can. I said, well, there's a God that loves me and gave his life for me. And I said, I can't hang this phone up unless I find out that you know that God. And I want you to know the God that I love. And I said, before we close this deal, can I ask you if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? I said, if you don't, you ought to. Yeah, they're in a line. There was like a silence there for a couple seconds, just kind of quiet. And this guy came back in his Southern Oklahoma draw. He said, sir, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He said, I want to tell you something. I appreciate that you ask me. So we closed the deal. It's not rocket science. What are we afraid of? We're afraid that they reject us. Listen, that was a captive audience. He answered my questions because I answered his questions. He wasn't afraid to sell me something. You know what? I wasn't afraid to give him Jesus. And it wouldn't cost him anything. You will never influence your world from the outside in if you never engage your culture. Jesus reminded us of that in Matthew 5. He said, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your God in heaven. It's dangerous to walk in the dark all by yourself. And there are teachable moments along the way. And you know my stories with my kids. A lot of you know the story. When Josh was six years old, he came home. He was riding a school bus, going to public school, he came home and we're ready to eat. And he's six years old, his first year in school. And then we're at the dinner. And, and he asked, as a six-year-old, he said, Dad, pass the effing potatoes. And you know, so I... a teachable moment. It's Deuteronomy 6, isn't it? And so I asked him, I said, Josh, where did you hear that? I was glad he didn't say he heard it from his sisters, but, or his sister, but <laughs> he said, dad, I heard it on the bus. Some sixth grade boy says it all the time. He said, I said, what he you say? Oh, F okay. I, I, I hear what he says. Okay. So he had heard it. It was an environment he was in. And so he had this teachable moment. I said, Josh, let me explain to you as best as he can with a six-year-old what that means. I said, that's not a word that someone who loves Jesus said or a boy by the name of Brown says. And you know what he said? Okay, daddy. And he's never said it again. But in that moment, I was able to explain to him that you're in an environment where people who don't think like you think. And so in that moment, we had a chance to pray for this sixth-grade boy who most likely did know Christ. But sometimes you expose your children. But listen, when my kids get out into the world, they haven't lived in a the bubble their whole life. And so they won't be defenseless when they find themselves out on their own. And some of you, all you've done is protected your kids. And when they find themselves in a dark world, you bubble wrapped them so good that they will be defenseless. They won't know what to do. Light shines best in dark places. To walk in the dark all by yourself is dangerous. But remember, Jesus has prayed for our protection. And he expects us to be bold in our faith. We have no reason to be afraid. God is with us. He will never, we will never impact the world unless we're in the world. Never, never, never. The word of God says this. That Christians are armed with a sword. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It's it's powerful. And so we have this sword, and we're we're dangerous. We have the news and the weapon, and we can walk in the dark place because God's prayed for our protection. Plus, we we shouldn't be afraid because God is with us. So there's this sense that we're on this mission and we're supposed to be dangerous. Yet you know what we've done? We've taken the weapon. And we bubble wrapped it. We got it all wrapped up. We wrapped it in bubble wrap. And so we have this picture. Instead of being dangerous, instead of being someone who is, who is making a difference in the world, who's walking into dark places, all we've done is bubble wrapped. And so we're, we, act, we act as if we can't live dangerously. We have the weapon, but what we've done, we bubble wrapped, and it wouldn't cut anything. Yet just the opposite is true of how we're supposed to live. In fact, we're supposed to be dangerous. Seriously, this is how some of us look in the spirit world. If we tried to cut this watermelon, we could never do it because we are so protected and we would never get close. Yet the very truth is this, we're supposed to be on a dangerous mission. And God says, it might be dangerous. Take your sword, take the word and go change the world from the inside out with uncommon boldness. Otherwise, people die and go to hell. So the question is this, what will you do differently this year? How will you step out Where will you go that you've never went? Whose home do you need to knock on? Who are you going to invite to your doorstep? Where will you unpeel some bubble that you've placed on your family and kids? It's time for us to live in a dangerous way. Anybody want to do that? That's what the word of God says. God, it's easy to talk about this. It is, it's simple. And yet when we leave this room, we have a choice to make. Will we remove the bubble wrap or will we go out in uncommon boldness? The world needs us, God, help us to go. In Jesus' name, amen.